Welcome to BC's Corner, episode 10. As we progress in our lives and careers, oftentimes we seek to distinguish ourselves, to stand apart, if not for the sake of our egos, for the sake of more income, opportunity, and perceived success. The desire of authenticity and originality is truly the pursuit of conviction. An understanding of oneself strong enough to stand confidently amidst uncertainty and pursuit of your preferred future. The result of this conviction is what my guest today would call living an evidence-based life. My guest, Allison Bird, is a celebrated sales leader, entrepreneur, executive coach, and in-demand speaker. Her unique approach of bold guidance, disruptive challenges, and empowering encouragements have enabled thousands of people in over 20 industries from 47 plus countries to exceed their own expectations. Allison is also the founder of Influencers Impacting Injustice, a nonprofit aimed at equipping frontline leaders to tackle racial equity initiatives in digital marketing. Her voice has been featured on MSNBC, CNN, Yahoo Finance, Time Money, and Business Insider. And she's even released an Amazon Prime special entitled The Label of Success. In our conversation on creating an evidence-based life, we discuss how to explore the range of your capabilities, understanding the grace to make changes, and Allison's unique perspective on how to maximize and monetize your giftings. Let's dive in with Allison Bird. When I was thinking of having you on in the conversation that we were going to have, looking at your career, you know, you are a speaker, a motivator. You have spoken in front of audiences of thousands, both in person and virtually. And through your voice, you have inspired so many to action. You've inspired so many into change. And you can often look at that and say, like, that must be so fulfilling. And you can ascribe so much. Uh, detail to it on your behalf, but I think it would be more fitting to allow you to describe what has the breadth of your career in public life. What are your reflections on it in present day? Oh my God. So that's such an amazing question. And a question that I would say three years ago, I would not have been as well equipped to answer. When I started in entrepreneurship, I really just wanted to make money without somebody bossing me around. Hmm, Like I wasn't (laughs) right. Like I I wasn't really having an idea that I'm going to be a world changer. And then I got a taste of it. I got a taste of changing the world. And here's what happened. I went to Macy's and this is how I really started creating this concept that I now call guided success. I had this urgency to go to Macy's and I knew that I wanted to buy something for an event, but I just didn't necessarily need to go that day. But I had this tremendous urgency, right? And I'm like, well, okay, I I don't know. I'm just going to go. I go into the fitting room and I hear this woman's voice next to me asking for another size. And I'm like, I know that voice. And she was a main news anchor on our NBC affiliate. And I had met her years ahead with one of my mentors. And I'm like, oh my God, I've got to say something to Deborah. What I also knew was that I had been in prayer and I'd heard this idea that I should be 
should is a loose term, but that I could be a dedicated life coach on the NBC daytime show. And Deborah was the host. And here I was now in a fitting room right next to her. And the moment that she walked out or right then I said, Deborah, is that you? And she said, yes, who's that? I said, it's Allison Bird. And we met this way. She said, I know exactly who you are. I was the dedicated life coach on that show for two years. Wow. And that exposure took me to higher heights very, very, very quickly. And I was guided in that moment, guided to go to Macy's, guided to be in that fitting room, guided to be there at that time. So when you asked me to describe my career, I think back to when a friend of mine, I had just written my first book, I self-published it. And a friend of mine said, I think you should go offer it at this local bookstore. And I get to the local bookstore and it's a Catholic Christian bookstore. And I'm like, why would my friend suggest that I come here? I did not see any people of color, not only working there, but on the bookshelves. But when I talked to the owner, the owner was warm and welcoming and wanted to promote me. Well, it was through that happening that the owner gave me a call and said, would you be willing to go to this major university in San Antonio and speak there with another author? That author was an Irish nun named Joan Chittister, who I had been reading for years, who Oprah Winfrey had just tapped in and was really bringing her into the super soul fold. And here I was as a brand new author where my book was printed down the street with staples. (laughs) They called Mm. it saddle stitching. And here I am with this amazing author, again, guided success. So when I reflect, I reflect that I have a way of being at the right place at the most aligned time around the most aligned humans to hear at the right time or to speak at the right time. Doors open for me. Nothing has marginalized me, not being over 300 pounds, not being black, not being a woman. The only time that I've been in the margin of my success is when I disbelieved in myself, when I was in my own shadow of uncertainty. And so I reflect back on my path with admiration. I reflect back on my path with awe. I look ahead at what's coming with wonder, with anticipation. And I don't believe in coincidences. I believe in intentional, aligned ways of being. And because I live that way, my universe never, never not surprises me, never not bonuses me, never not takes care of me, even when I'm scared and feel like that might not happen. It always works out in my favor. And that's how I reflect over my course up until this point. And you mentioned mentorship and you mentioned having those that you aligned with, that you ascribed to possibly want it to be like to potentially emulate. And you've gotten the chance to meet those individuals over the course of your career, specifically in those earlier days. I've had the pleasure myself in the past five, six years 
people who I never thought I would have the opportunity to meet, let alone speak with. I'm getting to meet, I'm speaking with, I'm at the house on Christmas. And it's bizarre, I would say. What has that experience been like for you to to meet those heroes, I would say, in the flesh? When I meet a hero in the flesh, I'll give you, for instance, I've been in Oprah's presence four times, I think, four, maybe five times. My first time in Oprah's presence was at her show. There were, I don't know, less than 200 of us there. And she was incredibly personable, open, connecting. And that's when I was able to see all of the behind the scenes. I took a private tour of her offices and her desks look like everyone's desks, (laughs) their chairs look like everyone's chairs. When I got in her presence, her skin looked like my skin and not from a color perspective. It just, I think I was wanting to see a superhero, you know, it was after all Oprah Winfrey. But what I've recognized over the years is that we are all humans doing the best we can with the knowledge, resources, skill, and understanding that we have in that season of our lives. So I am no longer in awe Mm. of anyone in that way. Um, What I love is meeting people's energetics and feeling when they feel still And when they feel really pure energetically, when I don't have any static, I call it static in my mind, you know, thoughts that just start popping off because they're thinking a bunch of thoughts and it's becoming contagious. Like, I love that. And so I'm in a new phase of myself where I am so impressed by every human. Mm -hmm. You know, we've survived a pandemic. We've overcome, you know, I was in an Uber the other day. The gentleman that was driving me was telling me that he grew up speaking Aramaic, which is not spoken very much anymore. He's Armenian. And he was talking to me about survival of the Armenian, like everything that's happened within that culture, what happened to his parents and grandparents Another couple that I met recently, they were telling me about what happened to their Gaelic background in Ireland, that when they were growing up, the sign said, no Blacks, no Irish, no dogs. So I'm impressed by every single one of us, the waiter that comes to give me water, the busser that comes to move my food away, the Uber driver, the person that's taking my ticket at the movie counter. I want to know what have you lived? What have you learned? Why are you still saying yes to life? And what would you say to me today that would make a difference in my path? That's how I feel about all of humanity. How have you then, because your voice has evolved over time, your message has evolved over time, because what you've done as an individual has changed over time. At one time, owning a private tech company, you know, actually, let's go a bit further back than that. You know, working at BlackBerry, making that $115,000. I love that story. And then taking the leap and going on a journey into your progression, which ended up, you know, you founded that private tech company. You're an individual that I admire because you've taken your intellectual property and you've turned it into courses. You've turned it into audiobooks. You've turned it into tangible things that people can purchase 
uh, that then monetizes your your thought leadership, if you want to put it in that language. How would you define the evolution of your voice and where it sits today? The evolution of my voice. I would say that when I first began, I was really teaching what I was hoping to understand for myself. And where I am today is I have much more evidence behind me. (laughs) Mm. And there's a change and transformation and transcendence that comes in your vocal texture when you are living an evidence-based life. And so when I started in this work, I started, my first message was called The Purpose Within. And I was really trying to understand what is my purpose and hoping that all of what I was doing amalgamated into qualified actions that something bigger than me would put a, you know, a stamp on like, sure, good job, girl. And so where I live today is I live in my co-creative power. And what that means for me is that my greatest purpose is to work in tandem with my universe, which means I live now in the way of integrity where I'm not operating on blind faith anymore. I'm not hoping that what I'm doing is approvable by some type of sky daddy, what some people call God and how some people worship as Jesus. And what, unfortunately, I believe some of those religious understandings take us away from our own personal accountabilities of our aligned actions and choices. So where I am today is a co-creator working with my universe, feeling fully embodied with this message. I feel fertile and I don't feel like I'm living a life that begs anymore. When I first started, I was begging all the time. Ooh, God, please give me a stage. Ooh, God, please give me a client. Ooh, God, please give me a platform. Ooh, God, please give me a testimonial. Ooh, God, please give me a referral. It was just over and over and over. I was so needy. And what I am grateful for is that every plea I screened to my universe, it was answered. And so because of that, I have, like I said, just this evidential tone inside of me where when people hear me, they believe me because the frequency is honest and it's no longer a motivating frequency. It's an inspiring frequency because this is my lived experience and I am only speaking that which I have lived or am living. And that gives me freedom as a speaker, as a coach, as a strategist, as a minister. It gives me freedom that I only speak from the Bible that is my life. And I have so much behind me that just continues to encourage me that all things are working for all of us and that the era of us working for all things is complete. So you identified yourself when you answer there as a minister. Um, I've also heard you called a money mindset strategist, a corporate sales strategist, a life coach. And I wanted to just clarify the language a little bit because some listening, everyone comes from different backgrounds. And I often hear in those terms of suspect of ministers, 
They're suspect of life coaches because in my view, I think there is something in the divine that scares all of us. And we've also seen it misused here on earth, no matter what your background is, because humans are humans. Could you put words to, in a sense, if you could put words to it, who you are in this season and your capacity? Yeah, I think I would call myself medicine. Why? That's what I would call myself. (laughs) I would call myself medicine. And I would say that the elixir, the healing, the balm, it flows through my esophagus and across my tongue. It forms itself in words and then it applies to the hearts, the souls, the minds of the humans that get an opportunity to hear and be in connection with me. So I think that's how I identify medicine. That's a unique way to put it. And then for the way that you move around the world, how have you been able to navigate being in an imperfect world, seeing that there is consistent racial injustice, injustice against the queer community? And it's easy sometimes to ignore those things because they may not personally always affect us in our spheres, but they're very much affecting people in the world. How have you allowed you your, your mind to navigate the world that we're living in? Well, I know that I'm a difference maker and I know that I was born for such a time as this. And whenever I see anything happen in our world, for instance, when George Floyd was publicly, I like to say, or I don't like to say, but I define his death as public execution. When he was killed publicly, I said, I want to make a difference. I want to work with the George Floyd Foundation. And I began to write that in my cosmic orders, which is basically prayer. And Divine Order brought me the executive director of the George Floyd Foundation as a client. There were multiple shootings that were happening in the LGBTQIA plus communities. I said, I want to work with non-binary humans. I want to work with queer and gay and lesbian. I want to work with, and I began to put those cosmic orders out. And I have non-binary leaders that I work with, lesbian gay, you name it, and they are change agents. I am working to unlock their voices so that they effectuate change and transformation to their own audiences, to their dedicated group. So I realize that I'm an answer for those that I'm an answer for, and I can become more of an answer the more I expand my worldview the more that I expand the capacities of my heart, the more that I drop away the three-dimensional judgments, criticisms, comparisons that pinch us off from being an acceptable, safe space for all, I stay supple, usable, humble, by all of the engagements of everyone that I talk to. If you come and spend a day with me, you will probably talk to 10 times more people than (laughs) you do on your own because I'm going to talk to everyone. I am not performing. It is me. And I was that way as a little girl, but then I grew up in some areas where it wasn't safe to be this gregarious, this outgoing, 
they were ghettos, they were hoods. And if you were this joyful person, somebody was probably going to snatch you up and take you away. You didn't want that kind of spotlight on you. So it's taken a lot of healing, a lot of therapy, a lot of somatic work. It's taken unique modalities that I've been introduced to from hypnotism to somatic breath work to doing Pilates, changing how I move my body, changing what I eat so that my mind can think differently, changing what I hydrate myself with. This has all been a work in progress. I've been on the spectrum. You know, I've been 345 pounds. Then I had weight loss surgery. Then I chose to start healing my gut. You know, so many different ways that this work has not only made a difference for those that I impact, but it continues to change who I see in the mirror. And that keeps me inspired and really lit up. How have you maintained, I, I would call it, the, the grace to make changes to what you're doing? Because you are someone that constantly evolves, goes to the next level, as you are someone who I would say is responsible for the outcomes in a way, the effectiveness, the efficacy of those that you serve. How have you maintained the ability to remain agile and to make changes in your own sphere while also having a group of individuals that you are leading? Yeah, I had really lost some sense of that um, and become very robotic, especially after the pandemic. I became very robotic after living behind a computer screen for so long. And that was the only way that we could really present our craft, our voice. And then I had some friends that introduced me to plant medicine. And I tried psilocybin for the first time. And I'd never had that experience before. And it changed me. I was able to perceive my life with metacognition to be able to look at myself as an observer. Another way to say that is I left the frame. I was no longer the picture inside the frame. I could actually observe outside of the frame. And that helped me be, it really did because I was becoming so jaded by societal and cultural anti-abundance mentalities, mm. you know, no abundance of consciousness, no abundance of conversation, memes everywhere that said, you know, I don't want to talk to anybody, you know, don't email me, don't, you know, it was just so much that was trending and I was losing my happiness in that. I was losing my peace. I was void of patience and true connection to myself. And so it's been through taking plant journeys, plant medicine journeys, working with Reiki masters, bringing in shamanic practices, basically returning to my roots that colonization took away from me in this North American soil, which gave me a lot of privilege, but also stripped me away from a lot of my origin purpose and origin passion. And now I feel really restored to that. And that keeps me feeling leveled, balanced, and harmonious in my day-to-day. -day. You have a distinct voice as a speaker. You have your own practices that you've been able to even verbalize here. How have you maintained your individuality 
of your voice and not become just one of the mob, one of the blob that are all saying the same thing almost the same way. How have you maintained your individuality? Living. You know, you will sound the same when you read the same material as everyone. But the moment that your steps go one step outside the path, you have a different perception. You know, and I've built a tech company, sold the tech company, thought the company was going to sell for X million. Instead, it sold for X tens of thousands, whatever that is. And that was disappointing to me. That disappointment was a teacher. I signed a deal to be a fractional CEO for someone that I really admired, respected. I loved it so much. I couldn't wait to sink my teeth into their success. And less than six months into that deal, it fell apart. And the risk that it took for me to step into that deal, the trial, the error, the level of conversations, the team that I onboarded, the contracts that I had to master writing, the level of legality that I had to walk through just to even make the deal happen. It shifted who I am and what I believed was possible. I decided over 40 to step into a a romantic love relationship, stepped into love, very afraid, very fragile to have lived that love for 18 months and then walk into an uncoupling journey. The pain, the grief, the overwhelm, the onslaught of mental thoughts that came like, oh, well, you're over 45. You're in the top 1% of earners. There's only so much that you're going to get to have. I guess the be, do, and have it all isn't really. All of those thoughts from the companies to the love, helping my sister and my brother in love raise their children, all of those different textures keep me fresh keep me relevant, keep me aligned, keep me open. And it changes my lexicon of language. If I spend all day with my 22-year-old nephew, I'm going to be saying more things like say less and no cap and you know all of those kind of things versus if I spend it at a Joe Dispenza retreat where I'm going to come away with really supernatural conscious language. But when you mix all of that When you mix all of that with my prayer language, you know, with the light language that flows through me, with my ability to translate Aramaic and Hebrew and Greek and Swahili and go into the Latin root of words, you come out with Allison Bird. And that's how I stay kind of hot on the block. You stay hot on the block, but you also have a passion for inspiring others to step out of their comfort zones as well. And I think a trap that many of us fall into. I mean, even me with starting this podcast is I didn't think I had anything specific to say. And this was something that I've had these mics and stuff for years. Okay. People don't know that I've had these mics for years, but this 2022, that end that was the right time for me. And so how would you encourage people? Because we're always surrounded by, I call them inciting incidents that inspire people to finally break the seal and to finally use their voice in a unique way. And the one thing I'd I'd say, just from Brian to whoever's listening, is that not everyone's voice uh, is going to be put in the same medium. 
Just because podcast works for someone doesn't mean podcast works for you. A lot of the talking that we need to be doing is in our individual circles. It's with our neighbors. It's with the people we love. How do you encourage people to break line, to break formation? You know, the best thing that I believe that you can do is give yourself permission to listen to people that inspire you and you like the way that they speak or they share, and then practice being them. Before some of my biggest messages, uh, I just, at the time that we're recording this, recently spoke for Tony Robbins' platform, and he spoke, and my legacy client who brought me to the platform spoke, and then I spoke, and it was almost 2,000 people on from all over the world But before I got on, I listened to Tony over and over and over and practiced sounding like Tony. I listened to Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream and practiced that tenor that calls an entire generation of people to align with a dream. I listened to... T.D. Jakes that has that grit, that growl, that intellectual rigor that comes through with spiritual tonality. And I brought all of those people through me along with Oprah Winfrey. I love her humanitarian, the gentleness that you hear when she speaks. And if you were to go back and listen to that keynote message, you would hear all of them. And I do that because practice does not make perfect. Practice makes permanent. And I don't want to be Oprah. I don't want to be Tony. I don't want to be T.D. Jakes. And I don't want to be Martin Luther King. What I want is the effectiveness Mm. that they have been. And so I'm borrowing their frequency and aligning it with this unique, unrepeatable frequency that is my own. And it it is courageous when you borrow from them. So you want to break line, you know, give yourself permission to try it on. And the first time I did it, B, it was funny because I was by myself and I'm, you know, I'm trying to sound like Martin Luther King. I have, I'm trying to bring that bellow. And I was so uncomfortable and I was by myself. And I said, who's judging you, girl? Play. And so now hair and makeup can be here. I can be getting my nails done at my home, doing whatever. And I am totally practicing. I have a... And then when I get on and speak, you won't hear me do that. But you'll hear some kind of sound come through that you're like, oh, what is that? And it's him and it's in me and you didn't expect it. And that's what uh, translates into me getting rebooked and more stages and more opportunities. So that's what I suggest for everyone practice because statistics show us that by the time we're 35, 95% of who we are is borrowed anyway. So we might as well start intentionally borrowing from who we see and want to emulate and bring those frequencies of greatness into our own and continue to shape our world in a really unique way. 
And would you say that fits into any medium, any platform? Because most people, you know, you're one of a kind, Allison. I don't have many people who speak in front of crowds of thousands who who listen to this. So would you say that that method of, of borrowing is applicable to any medium? The way they used to say it is fake it till you make it. And that has a different connotation, <laughs> right? That has right. A- That has a, I'm going to pretend to be something that I'm not, which is, it just has a different texture of integrity. To me, I say, if you are intentionally borrowing, then you are knowing you're borrowing and you are even crediting that. Like, I don't have to tell anyone that I study those people. I don't have to tell anyone that they inspire me. There's a woman that wrote me off Instagram and I read her webpage and it was so good that when I spoke two weeks later in front of hundreds, I quoted, I quoted her so much that I opened the presentation saying, there are so many words from this woman that I'm just going to say she co-wrote it with me because I loved it off of her website. And she, you know, a handful of people in the world know who she is, but she inspired me and it's up to me to give voice to her, to esteem her, to spotlight her, because that's what people did for me before anyone knew who Allison Bird was. So, you know, karma is, a lot of people like to say karma is a bitch. And I just like to say karma is just real. And so if you want good karma for your life, always give good karma, live good karma, offer good karma, and definitely honor where people are giving you things that make a difference for who you are. And you've existed in the public sphere for quite some time, being featured on these stages, of course, in front of corporations, entrepreneurs, spiritual groups. You know, you've been featured in CNN, you've been featured in NPR and on Fox. You were uh, NBC Daytime doing the life coaching. What are some of the biggest misconceptions that people may have of someone like you who has been so public for so long? Hmm, That's an interesting question. A, A misconception. You know, someone just recently hired me to come in and work with them to unpack their messaging that they're going to bring to the world uh, as they establish a movement. And they said that they'd been sitting on the sidelines for a while, just watching me, listening to all my podcast interviews, every YouTube that they could find. And they finally got the courage to write me and say, would it be possible for me to work with you? And when they wrote me, I said, hey, do you want to jump on the phone? We jumped on the phone. Then um, while we were on the phone, I said, they said, man, you know, I must have referenced that I was going on a hike or something. And they said, man, I, you know, I'd love to go on a hike with you. I go, I said, well, jump on a plane, come. And they said, are you serious? Now they've been following me. They've been loving me. They just paid me tens of thousands of dollars to work with me. And then I say, sure, jump on a plane, come hang out. They're like, are you serious? Yes, I'm so serious. And when they flew in to meet me, they they were just... Oh, they got on the plane. Wait, hold up. They they actually got on the plane. (laughs) They actually got on the plane and came just a few weeks later. And when we were at dinner after hours of being together, they said, you are so much of yourself. And so I think that a great misconception 
is that some of the persona that I present in front of the world, that it is an avatar of me. But if it were, I would be exhausted trying to carry that. I own, I don't carry anything. I just am. And that is a reward of many tests, many trials, many heartbreaking, heart-wrenching life lessons, including my mother ascending from this three-dimensional plane. We say ascend in my family instead of died. And when she passed on, I had a choice to stay as the programming of Black woman that I had learned, to stay in the culture and the conditioning of how society uh, views and trains Black women, Black people, women in general. I had a choice and I went on a seven-year path to become this version that I am today. So seven years ago, you wouldn't hear this generosity, this benevolence. You wouldn't hear this compassion. You wouldn't hear this frequency of love. So yeah, I think that's the misconception that somehow I'm a persona or an avatar when it's really just me all the time. How have you stayed connected to the Allison that didn't grow up with much, but at the same time you've developed this voice and you've grown to this stature how have you maintained a hold on what's passed into the present sankofa if i would put it that way reaching back <laughs> to move forward you know i really don't have to like she's grown with me this entire time and i really don't have to i don't have to stay beholding to my past at mm-hmm. all and that's liberating You know, so many people would tell me in the original stages of of my career, don't forget where you came from. And I know that they meant well when they said it, but instead it inspired this fear. And the highest human need is to belong. And so what I had to do was understand that There is a season of growth where you do not belong anywhere. You don't belong in where you were and you don't belong in where you're going. Um, And that is that messy middle called imposter syndrome. However, the joy of imposter syndrome is that your prayers are being answered because if you still were where you were and if you weren't on your way to where you're going, imposter syndrome never would have showed up. It doesn't show up for somebody being the same every day. <laughs> they, they don't ever yeah. feel like they're being an imposter. So I feel very rewarded that I don't hold a burden for that. You know, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, my sister, my family, my godson, my nieces, my nephews, they keep me honest and they keep me pure they keep me eating hamburgers with bread, you know, because <laughs> they, you know, we ain't got no buns, you know, something like that. Like it's <laughs> we need buns. I'm sorry, I put my foot down there. We need buns in this house. <laughs> I do love a grilled bun. Oh my god, grilled on both sides, nice little crisp on the edge, <sighs> soft in the middle. 
That actually sounds really... I haven't eaten yet, so now I'm hungry. Everyone, we're going to pause this episode. I'll be right back. (laughs) That sounds amazing. And I think it's also amazing that your family has been a part, as you've all have ascended together through life, has been a part of keeping you down to who you are as you've continued to evolve and continue to accept you as you evolve and as you are, yes, this person to the public, but also being the person privately to them. I would say as we kind of close this, I think there's been a lot of interesting thoughts exchanged here of getting into your world and how you think and how you've navigated both personally and professionally. When we look at years, some people ascribe a a name, a phrase. I'm going to ask you, what is your phrase, your word for 2023? When I think about 2023, I don't think I can say one word. I mean, you know, I keep like a ready dictionary, right? Like (laughs) in myself, the words that have been moving through me for this year are awe, to allow myself to be awe-inspired, grounding, to allow myself to be grounded, rooted, fortified. I believe surrender is a big word in this season mastering the art of letting go to let come. I believe that's a really big word in this season. I believe alignment is a big word in this time in our lives. Are you aligned? Are you making choices that are aligned, speaking words that are aligned, sleeping with people uh, that are aligned? Um, I believe alignment is a really divine word uh, for this season. And the last one that I would probably say is prosperous. And being available for prosperity, prosperity in my creativity, prosperity in my time, prosperity in my finances, prosperity in my relationships, just a prosperous overall existence, my health, my well-being. And so those are all the words that have been moving through me that make a difference. And the last one I would probably say is truth. I think a lot of humanity has been living a true-ish reality, a true-ish life, a true-ish relationship. (laughs) And we get to live in the highest of truth. Yeah, those are the things that are moving through me and keeping me steady, focused, disciplined, and inspired to wake up every day. A follow-up to that, what would you define or how would you describe your foundation of truth? My foundation of truth would be feeling because you can feel the truth. And people have said for years that the truth hurts. And I don't subscribe to that as a totality of that statement. You know, I believe that the truth heals. And so if you are telling your truth, it will heal. If you are telling your truth, it will reconcile. And if you are telling your truth, it will inspire those that you're meant to be connected to. Now, some people may say, like, take a Kanye West. Well, Kanye believes he's telling his truth, you know, and that doesn't feel healing or inspiring or what have you to me. Well, Kanye's truth is for the people that want to believe that truth. 
And so believe it or not, there are some people that would fight me on the idea that they can be, do, and have it all. There are some people that would fight me on the idea that I would say we are frequency first, humanity second, which means my blackness is not the supreme of me. It can't be because my frequency has no color. There are people that will fight me on that and go, punish her. No, no, no. So we have to understand that every human has their own league of people that are meant to align with them. And we may not like it. Like, I am not a Trump supporter. However, he has a bunch of people that believe what he says is the truth and they are inspired. And when he says it, they feel good. But that is not the case for us. How would you verbalize dissent then? Because then could someone's truth be wrong? Yeah, I don't believe that someone's truth is ever wrong. In their reality, it is right. And I think that's some of the conflict we're experiencing in our country now, the dueling realities. You know, you can turn on one channel and it's a completely different narrative, different story. We saw with the January 6th tapes with Tucker Carlson getting like, I think it's 40,000 hours. That's a crazy number, but 40,000 hours worth of footage. And he's been telling his version of January 6th in order to contradict what we all saw and what we know to be true from the past, you know, two years. And I think that's an interesting place. And I just wonder where it takes us in society. Just with the idea of, of of understanding truth and everyone having their own version of reality, it kind of puts us in, uh, I don't know if you're an Avengers fan, but it puts us a bit in the multiverse, wouldn't you say? That's That's exactly how I feel. And that's why I spend as much time as I can with humans that align with the reality as I perceive it. And then when I want to expand my reality, which is why I talked about worldview earlier, when I want to expand my reality, I go into those places and spaces with the intention of I'm going to expand my consciousness here. I have a truth, but I do not have total truth. I cannot ever have it because I am only seeing through the lived experience of me. And what I've admired about you is you really do, I feel, energetically, I would say, frequency-wise, you live life with your arms wide open. And I think that came through earlier with your answer regarding you treating every person like they're somebody and seeing the, the light, the joy, the unique humanity that exists, the unique story that exists in everyone. And I think that's quite admirable. Another question I have as we're winding down, I swear this is the last one. You like who, a preacher. You got eight wrap ups. You like. I didn't. I didn't tune up. I didn't. If I tuned <laughs> up, you really knew I was done. But I didn't tune up yet. Oh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm messing. Let me stop. But I have a lot of friends. I've entered into a, an age of life where a lot of my friends are starting businesses. A lot of people. Uh, they're starting companies. They're trying to use their voice, trying to use their essence to impact the world in a better way, in a greater way. What advice would you give them as they start this journey of not just creating, but then also having to promote the creation, to champion the creation, which really is a whole, it's a whole department, it's a whole job. Yeah, I read a book years ago called Rejection Therapy. And the entire idea, there's also a TED Talk behind it. And I also met the author, of course, and we've shared a stage together what most humans, when they're trying to launch a business, launch an idea, 
they are not recognizing how much of their constraint that they're feeling has to do with their own person. Doesn't have to do with the business or the business idea. If someone tells you, I'll I'll give you an example. Someone just recently asked me about a podcast idea. And I said, are you open to me asking a few questions? They were like, sure. But by the time I got to the second question, they were completely defensive. And Mm -hmm. you cannot protect nothing. Your idea is nothing. It's just an idea. It's not even a thing yet. So I say that if you are setting yourself out there to be seen, to be heard, to leverage it, to be paid more, have a therapist, you know, definitely have someone that you can just say all the things to so that you can be heard so that you're not fighting for that mic at the time of, you know, when you're trying to get an investor. I would also say uh, breath work, you know, work your nervous system. Because if you don't, everything that you're trying to do will wreck your nervous system. It will take your adrenals to crap and you don't want that. I would say move your body every day, every single day, walk, run, yoga, weights, whatever you love to do, Peloton, move your body every single day. I would definitely say expand your sexual energy, however you like it, uh, whatever that joy is for you, because that gives you so much creativity. And then the last thing I would say is become a master at gratitude, because the only time we live in the gap, perceiving that goals aren't possible is when we forget what we've already walked through that day. We forget I woke up. We forget I could blink. We forget I could talk. We forget my limbs, you know, were active. Whatever able-bodiedness we have, we forget to express the gratitude for it. And we need the money to be the win. And we bypass that we were breathing. We need the contract to be the win. And we bypass that we could walk to the refrigerator. You know, that kind of thing. That's what I would say. Allison Bird, it is always a pleasure to connect with you. I thank you for being in my orbit. And then, of course, for saying yes to coming on BC's Corner and sharing your perspective, which I think is so intrinsic uh, to all of us growing and defining the culture uh, that we all help create. Mm -hmm. I think you are one of the most innovative and talented voices on your rise. And from the moment that I met you, I just knew that you were good soil. And there are so many leaders that have invested in me from the time that I began on blog talk radio before podcasts were even a thing. I'm like, what's blog talk radio? <laughs> Don't make me have to Google something. We, we please, Google down. It. <laughs> please Google it. And please listen to some of my old shows because it's still out there. But um, there were people that believed in me, Les Brown and Jack Canfield and Lisa Nichols, and they came onto my show. And because they did, I believed in myself greater and I gave myself permission to continue. So I hope that my presence does the same for you. It means so much. And I so much more than I think I could put into words. Thank you for being here. Thank 
Thank you, Allison, for coming on BC's Corner. Truly a pleasure. If you want to connect with all things Allison Bird, feel free to check out all the links in the show notes. And as always, I'll see you soon. Whoa, whoa, whoa.